0: You are tuned into 91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. We just heard Levon Helms, Dirt Farmer, growing trade. trade. Oh, there you are. And we're here today, and I'm so thrilled. You know, I, I think I've had this gentleman in more times than any other guest over the seven years I've been doing this show, and... Um, it's always fun having John Barry in the studio. So thank you for being here. Thanks for being in the studio because during COVID, you're one of the first two guests I've had in three years in the studio. Wow, I'm so flattered. Yeah, so it's it's really cool that you're here. John just authored the book, Levon Helm, Rock, Roll, Ramble, the inside story of the man, the music, and the midnight ramble. There's a website by the name of?
1: Rockrollramble.com. I'd also like to mention that you can purchase the book on Amazon. And as Levon would say, Christmas is right around the corner, so you might just want to get two copies.
0: Well, I want to say that if you're at Bethel Woods, you can also buy the book at Bethel Woods Gift Shop.
1: Actually, yes, you can buy it at the Bethel Woods uh, Gift Shop right next to the museum. You can also buy it at the Golden Notebook bookstore in Woodstock at Happy Life Productions in the old Tinker Street Cafe building at Levon Helm Studios, and at Inquiring Minds Bookstore in Saugerties.
0: Okay. In case you like supporting small local businesses, that's the way to do it. And if anyone's going to the Midnight Ramble with Phil Lesh this weekend at uh, Bethel Woods, go right into the gift shop and you can buy a book with Levon Helm.
1: That's right. And I will be at the Midnight Ramble Friday night at Levon's and I will be at Bethel Woods Saturday. So, Please, if you see me, come and say hello. Oh,
0: I'm going to miss you by like a day. How oh. is that? You know, but you're here now.
1: Yes, I am. we
0: have this, this time yes, and this moment. So um, it's really cool. By the way, I just want to throw it out there that if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Local Motion on 91.3 W V K R YouTube channel, as well as the Facebook page by the same name. So... This book is several hundred pages long. I have read every single word of it. It is, I don't know, close to 300 pages, 294 to be exact. And where does one start? So where I think we should start is just a little bit about you. You're a journalist. You've been in the Hudson Valley. You were with the Poughkeepsie Journal for 25 years?
1: 18 years at the Poughkeepsie Journal as music writer. And then preceding that... I was a hard news reporter at the Journal News in Rockland County. Both are owned by the Gannett Company, and both papers are part of the USA Today Network. So I arrived here in Poughkeepsie in 2002 to take the music writer position, and um, I think it was October 2004, I got a phone call from Barbara O'Brien, who was Levon's manager. Levon um, had lost his singing and speaking voice to cancer of the vocal cords. He, was, uh, he had just emerged from bankruptcy, and uh, you know he had been on the cusp of losing Levon Helm Studios. So he started these house concerts.
0: And what a story that is in this book, because you go into detail about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... That's one of the most compelling things about this story is that you know Levon was a member of the band Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, up on Cripple Creek, Ophelia, Stage Fright, and the band broke up. Levon released some albums. Um, the band got back together without Robbie Robertson. Uh, Rick Danko sadly passed, and then Levon fell on hard times. He got cancer. This is the guy who had been earning his living as a drummer and singer since he was. 17 or 18 never knew anything ha- else ronnie hawkins he yeah. couldn't play gigs he couldn't earn money uh bankruptcy foreco- foreclosure looming so as he says in the book uh we were just about at the end of the rope uh so we were going to have a couple of uh couple of big nights you know go out with a bang a couple of rent parties and then people wanted to start paying to come to these and these became the midnight ramble
0: What a story of a comeback. I mean, it really is a beautiful last chapter that Levon had. You know, it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. And and Barbara O'Brien having the wherewithal to call you to say, hey, interview Levon and let's see if you can make this thing
1: happen. Yeah, and I left out that. Uh, One of the reasons she called me was because Levon was planning on singing again for one of the first times. Mm. So I went up to Levon Helm Studios, I'll never forget it, on a Monday about 5, and uh, here comes Levon, and we did an interview standing up right where the band plays now. And, um, you know, that kind of kicked everything off. How long
0: were you there for? Do you remember?
1: Uh, I waited for a little bit. I, I only say that because I remember people coming and going up in the loft, just various random people uh, coming and going. And then Amy Helm came out and I chatted with her. And then uh, she departed. Had you
0: met Amy before? Never. Or Levon I had Levon never before, met so Leon.
1: Never met Amy. I never even knew. I'd been to Woodstock 9 million times. I never even knew Plockman Lane was there <laughs> because I get to the end of Route 375 but I always go left into town. Um, so we did that interview, and then the following January, Levon came down to John Jay High School to play a blues in the schools program, and I covered that for the Poughkeepsie Journal, and I was thrilled that somehow it ended up on the front page the next day. Then I started going to rambles. Uh, that was 2005. I think it was towards the end of 2005, Lou Harris showed up which my review from the Poughkeepsie Journal is in the book. I mean, that if you were there, that night was just... I can remember Emmy Lou Harris playing Red Dirt Girl, and you could literally hear people breathing. Mm. It was so quiet.
0: Wow. Wow, beautiful. Uh, the early start, even before... Levon was going to have it at the barn. I guess he was looking up at Schenectady, maybe having it there or at Bearsville or different venues, I guess, right? To have concerts or something.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this this illustrates what you get in this book. You know, I spent years with Levon, traveling with him. I was there during the week at Levon Helm Studios. After the ramble, when everybody would go home, I was very grateful to be invited into the kitchen where Levon would kind of hold court with the opening band members, the Levon Helm band members, if he had friends in town, friends from Woodstock. um, And he would just, there would be storytelling and this and that. And uh, I was grateful to be invited by Levon and Barbara to hang around with my digital recorder.
0: And this thing was on the whole time?
1: It's on the whole time, and I would be recording and kind of you know being a fly on the wall right so I have hundreds and hundreds of hours of recordings we would also if Levon was doing a show at the Beacon theater I would travel down where it would just be me Levon and Chris howe his driver who sadly passed away recently and uh, you know the, the the program was put your recorder on and just be around to catch things right. so um, I would I transcribe those recordings and that's what provided the foundation of the book. So I can tell you no other writer spent as much time with Levon as I did during this period of his life. I know that because there was no one else around. Right. What you get in this book, you will not get Anywhere, anywhere else. No magazine article, no other book. And it's not about the band. It's right. about Levon's Midnight Ramble. Yes. Time. yes. It's so, not a
0: life story. It, it, no. it, it, it's the Ramble years.
1: It's the Ramble years. Ringo Starr wrote The Forward. I'm very grateful to Ringo and his team for that. Yep. And I'm just so incredibly grateful to Larry, Teresa, Byron Isaacs, Jimmy oh Leader, well, Justin we're going to go Gritt. through
0: all of them. So the dedication, which I will read, is... is very kind of you to it says quote this book is dedicated to chris howe a pivotal member of team levon without his support and encouragement this book would never have seen the light of day thank you chris unquote um and then of course the uh, foreword, which is quote, Levon was a friend of mine and he also played drums. Levon was an incredible musician and singer. I loved playing with him, but he was even he was an even better friend and human being. Peace and love Ringo, unquote. I mean that's some good stuff you know i mean he was apparently a very loved man one of the and i knew this was a special relationship from my years of doing this show also but let's start from the very beginning of um of the rambles as they started to get going and jimmy vivino and his friendship with levon it seemed like i think you had noted um he came around a lot of times when people weren't coming around levon
1: Yeah, I neglected to thank Jimmy V when I was just rattling off names, but uh, thank you so much, Jimmy Vivino, uh, just as with the other Levon Helm Band members. Your interest, encouragement, support, your time. Uh, There's a whole chapter on Jimmy V, who Mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with him, he was in Conan's band, he's in the Fab Faux, he sits in with Government Mule quite often. Canteed
0: now, he's been doing canteen. That's right, that's right. If you don't
1: follow him on Instagram, you should start following him. He's just playing all over the place. So, Jimmy uh, is friends with John Sebastian, and he was up in Woodstock, hanging out, playing music with John Sebastian, And I think it was John who said, let's go over and see if Levon's around. And Jimmy didn't know about the cancer. And the day they went by, he wasn't around. They eventually connected. Jimmy was renting a house up there in Woodstock, not far from Levon's. And, you know, Levon was really in the throes of recovery. He could barely speak, and each day—and this is all in the book. These are the stories you get in the book. Yep. You know, each day, Levon would go down to—you and I would call it a pond, but Levon called it the creek on the property. If you park at the Midnight Ramble, you see the creek. And he'd make a fire, and Jimmy would bust out his guitar, and, uh, you know, he would play. And then, as Levon says in the book, at the end of the afternoon, Jimmy would swear that I helped him with the song. Mm-hmm. Jimmy says, hey, I'd like to, after some time, Jimmy says, hey, you know, I'd like to start a band and I could use a drummer. You know, that was Jimmy's nice, respectful way of saying, let's play. Um, do you want to play? We'll play in a band. We'll call it the Barn Burners. So Levon joined in and the Barn Burners were a pivotal piece. Uh, their Wednesday night residency at the old Joyous Lake in Woodstock. You know, that's a big piece of the puzzle in terms of Levon getting back on his feet uh starting to sing again and just playing music just yeah. playing music and you know you just can't overstate you know levon says in the book that you know jimmy helped him start the ramble and i think jimmy said something like you know i, I wasn't even there you know uh in, in typical hum humility humble hum- in his typical humiliation Humble Way, right. Jimmy Vivino. Right. A most humble guy, just oh, like Levon. 100%.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but Levon uh, says without question that the Rambles never would have started without Jimmy Vivino. Without
0: Jimmy Vivino. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it. Um, what I didn't realize, I mean, there are several things I learned in reading this book, um, is also the start with Brendan McDonough and the real early sound people and all of that. Like, they were in there from the beginning.
1: Yeah, you know, when I was in Col- I went to SUNY New Paltz, and I can remember seeing a band called the Apple Pickers Union at Snug Harbor. I clearly remember seeing them there. And as you'll read in the book, uh, Brendan McDonough, uh, who became the stage manager at the Rambles, Brendan's gone on tour with Nine Inch Nails, and um, Rich Robinson from the Black Crows. You know, Brendan's working at the highest levels of the music industry. And he also became the stage manager at the Rambles. He'd be on the road. But he was in a band called the Apple Pickers Union with Andrew Schober, um, Brian Perillo, Andrew's wife, Julia. They would drive up two hours one way to see the Joyous Lake Barnburner shows on Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. They got to know Levon. He said, as Levon said to a lot of people, well, come on up to Woodstock. They moved up. Um, They spent a lot of time at Levon Helm Studios. Now, this is years before the Rambles when, you know, it was a whole different ball game over at the studio. It wasn't what you see now. Right. And, you know, that is another contributing factor, but it's another kind of peek behind the curtain. It's another like you're just saying, you didn't know that piece of the story. And my goal was to do this over and over and over again in this book. You know, the band and what we already know about Levon, it's all wonderful stuff and we love it and you know, it's part of American music history, but in this book, i I'm giving you stuff you don't know, you don't and you're know. only gonna yes. find it here. I can guarantee yeah. you. That. Oh, for
0: sure, for sure. there is no way, and I don't care how in you know, how much you think you know about the Ramble and Levon and all of that. There are stories here that without reading this book, you're never going to hear them because you had the great privilege and honor of sitting with Levon for hours and days and months and years of just listening to the man.
1: And it's it's an incredible story and I really worked hard to give it do it justice.
0: I read you a thing before we went on air and and it's just Levon talking and I peed my pants when I was laughing <laughs> about him when he was talking about being in Turkey scratch and going to school and and just funnier than hell. I mean it was hysterical but it's not because it was just Levon talking. It's just the way he was, his demeanor and it was just really great to to hear him in conversation and um, and through your words. But it was just all his conversation, which was really cool. And Go ahead.
1: If I could just uh, interject that um, I've been to Turkey Scratch, Arkansas yes. twice. <gasps> it's in the Mississippi Delta. It's not far from Memphis across the Mississippi River so a lot of there's a whole chapter on arkansas yes i spent a day driving around turkey scratch with annalee amston who is annalee from the Wait, and mary cavett and these are levon's oldest and dearest friends they all grew up together in turkey scratch they went to school together when they became teenagers it would be a group date night because in case the car broke down They had to have a whole crew. so uh, And this is another example of the time and the investment and my commitment to this story was to get on a plane. Right. I think the Levon Helm Band was playing Memphis. So I went down for that show, and I joined up with the Levon Helm Band Entourage, and then I arranged with Annalee and Mary, and we drove around Turkey Scratch, and they were like, you know, that happened over there, and that happened over there.
0: John, your story about Red Rocks, going from Red Rocks to through Kansas City, (gasps) oh my gosh, in the train station, in the middle of the night, or whoa, and you'd never think anything would happen. You're in Missouri, right? Right. (gasps)
1: Yeah, so the last chapter, so the whole book, you know, it's Levon's voice throughout, but there's a chapter on the barn, and there's a chapter on the ramble, and then we go through each band member and kind of tell their story. The last chapter is kind of, my reflections, first person, right. where I try to capture, you know, flying into Memphis and then or flying into Nashville and then getting out of the Ryman and getting in a car and driving to Texas for the next show.
0: And I, and you did that perfectly because it, we had to have some of your experience in there as well. You know, so you went through first of the way the introductions were. Um, I know you mentioned her, but we should definitely spend a few more minutes talking about Barbara O'Brien, um, who was a pivotal person for Levon as being his manager during this time of the midnight rambles and just keeping things organized and somehow knowing enough to call you while you were at the Poughkeepsie Journal. I mean... Tell us, and anyone that will read this book, and again, this is called Levon Helm Rock Roll Ramble, and you can find this on Amazon and some of the local bookstores. We'll go through that again at the end of the conversation. And there's a website by the same name, so you can always purchase things right there. But with Barbara um, not having, if she's never made that call, things would have been very different. Who knows?
1: Right? Who knows? Yeah. I think I would have eventually made my way up I there. I think but- so. Yeah. 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 Maybe as just an attendee.
0: Right, right, right. So, yeah, so it was a beautiful thing that um, and that Barbara kind of coordinated and got together. Also, there's a chapter, and the chapter four of this book is on Barbara O'Brien, dedicating nine pages to that. And then we also have Tony Lebut. Uh Let's talk about him. You've got a chapter dedicated to him.
1: Tony, where do I start? Tony did my website, rockrollramble.com. Tony was in charge of all things uh, And
0: had the wherewithal to get the name.
1: Yeah, you might remember that was a big thing kind of when the internet was just getting up and going. Like you could buy tomcruise.com and then turn around to Tom Cruise and say, yeah, I'll give you this for $3 million. Mm-hmm. So Tony bought the domain levonhelm.com but... It was always with the idea to hold it for Levon if he wanted to do a website, if he just wanted it. Uh, you know, there was no ill will there by any means. Tony was doing it to protect it because he was such a big fan of Levon and the band. And, you know, Tony saw uh, the band on the Bob Dylan tour in 1974. And um, so uh, at that point, someone in Levon's camp looked it up and got to Tony and that's how Tony got into the picture. And let me tell you, you know, Tony and Don LeBue, Don was a pivotal member of team Levon as well. Just, you know, they're very emblematic of Levon. They would go see Levon play out at the Stephen Talk house in Amagansett at the, uh, tip of Long Island out towards the Hamptons. And, you know, one thing led to another and then you had the whole domain thing and, you know, Tony ran Levonhelm.com and he designed it. And you have to understand that, you know, there were basically two ways to get into the land of Levon Helm. One was to go to a ramble and you go to the ticket booth and Tom and Kathy Gagliardi and their team would check you in. Or you go to Levonhelm.com. That was really the two ways into this world. And Levonhelm.com is a place where Levon earned a lot of his revenue. Mm-hmm. Tickets, merchandise, um, And that was a big reason why this whole thing got started was to get Levon out of debt and get him out of bankruptcy and get this guy back on his feet again and let him focus on the music and the team kind of... So, uh, you know, tickets for the Beacon Theater. I mean, Levon's big comeback shows in 2007, I think, was the first year. Uh, So the roles of Barbara O'Brien, Tony LeBue, Don LeBue, and Janine Kane, the office manager... You know, you just can't overstate it. And I really, if I'm piquing your interest at all here, please get a copy of the book. You can go to Amazon, type in Levon Rock, Roll, and Ramble. And, you know, beyond the up on Cripple Creek and uh, all of that wonderful stage fright and Levon's history as a musician, uh, they're just, I think, really compelling. The stories have nothing to do with me. I was just the guy lucky enough to be in the room. But I think these are some of the most compelling stories I've ever heard in my life.
0: Absolutely.
1: And beyond the music, you know, Levon's story of, you know, he's basically born into poverty. He has nothing. He gets it all. He, he has nothing. He wins it all. He loses it all. And he gets it back. Mm-hmm. I mean, far beyond music, Levon is a testament to the enduring American spirit mm-hmm. and resiliency and those things that get us up out of bed every morning and, you know, defeat and uh, calamity and, uh, you know, the pitfalls and the steep declines. You know, this guy went through it all, head-on collisions, you know, ups and downs, but he always stuck in it and he had this triumphant cap to his life. I mean, this ramble era, this midnight ramble that I write about in this book, is sheer triumph. It's what all of us, me and you, and everybody listening it's all we're all pursuing this, yes, and Levon wanted nothing more than to to share it with us. Mm-hmm. you know you you were at rambles, yeah, he yeah. wanted nothing more than to ever for it wasn't about him. he wanted everyone to join in, he wanted everyone to have a piece of the pie, and everyone that I saw walked out of that place feeling like they were just as important as Levon Helm because that's what he was all about
0: absolutely and he'd walk out of that back door there yeah. come up to his drum thing and just smile at everybody in such a warm smile and you knew he was Genuine. grateful for the people that came there that spent the money on the ticket to come there it really meant everything to him and and it was really heartwarming just to see that face and if you close your eyes you can just you can have that imprint in your brain forever. Like that's never going to go away. Um, I know that every musicians and I think all of them by now have been on my show of the Midnight Ramble band. All of them, not one has not said this. Every single one of them says those were the best musical years of their lives.
1: Well, I think if Levon was with us, he would have uh, said that to you. I think it's Eric Lawrence, a saxophone player. Um, who played in the barn burners and he played in the levon helm band and i think it was after the first beacon shows in two thousand seven which were really the first shows outside of levon helm studios you know that was a big deal right and levon sold out the first one and he didn't think he could sell out the second one
0: that's right
1: i'm pretty sure i'd have to go back but i'm pretty sure after the two beacon shows in mid-march it was st patrick's day weekend eric said that levon called him up and said tell the rest of the Guys and girls, this is the best band I've ever been in. And there's a quote in the book uh, about the band uh, where Levon said it was a miserable, it was a miserable deal. Albert Grossman being, you know, kept secretive like Bob Dylan, Albert's other client. Uh, you know, Levon said the the band was a miserable deal. After the first two or three albums, it was uh, greatest hits, and as he would say, live from you know where. Mm-hmm. So. Just to put into perspective, you know, more than one person has said that this was Levon's happiest time in his oh, life. Oh,
0: I can imagine. And how beautiful with Amy, his daughter, um, being on that stage with her dad, you know, and those special moments. I was watching the other night, um, and I might play it if I have time today, the weight, the, them performing the weight at the Ryman. Yeah. And it was Amy. There was one um, paragraph where it was just Amy and Levon, and it was just the love that was there and how beautiful for both of them to have had that experience, father and daughter, to be performing for all those years. You know, of course, she had Ola Bell and they opened up and all of that, but but just it was just heavenly to have that as well, you know? So it, that was a really special time to, um, you know, feel like you're part of the family there. So that was cool. Um, I know for me, I, this man probably gave me more inspiration to do this show than anyone I use his music to start my show we have to wouldn't be complete if we didn't talk about Larry Campbell
1: yeah Larry uh, you know I knew from the beginning that Larry would Larry would need a whole chapter yeah I mean um, the music director for the Levon Helm band Grammy winning producer and um I'm just so grateful to Larry and Teresa Williams his yes, wife yes. and another Levon Helm band member uh just for their I mean the interest in this book, their encouragement, their support, their time.
0: I'm going to stop you for a second and yep. I'm going to read a quote off the back of the book. Again, the book is called Levon Helm Rock Roll Ramble, written by today's guest, author John W. Barry. Quote John Barry was the perfect fly on the wall during this great last chapter and final curtain call in Levon Helm's life. He was the quintessential observer from the early days of the Midnight Ramble to the end, and has brilliantly captured the details and the spirit of that time, of that wonderful time in this book. Unquote. Larry Campbell, musical director and producer for Levon Helm Band.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't think I have enough time in this lifetime to express my gratitude to Larry and Trace. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's, it's crazy because. I went to see Bob Dylan often before I started going to the Rambles, and Larry played in Bob Dylan's band for Mm -hmm. years, so Larry Campbell was always this guy on stage at Madison Square Garden or Saratoga Performing Arts Center or wherever else I was seeing Dylan, and just to get to know him um, and, uh, you know, uh, his whole story, I I mean, I'll be forever indebted to Larry and Teresa. I... Larry tells a story in the book. As I said, I think there's just many compelling stories, but one of the one that I just love the most is, uh, and and this is how Dirt Farmer Levon's Grammy-winning comeback album in 2007 came about. Was they were just kind of like, um, you know, at Levon Helm Studios playing some songs, kind of seeing where it was going. You know, there was no. Hey, let's make a
0: Grammy-winning album. No,
1: it was just like, hey, let's play these songs from Levon's childhood and uh, from another time, and let's just see where it goes. So they're kind of doing that, and then kind of Teresa joined in, and it was very informal, very informal. And uh, previously, Larry, who's played with everybody, he was playing with Dolly Parton. And Dolly Parton's, I think it was her tour manager, I could be wrong, someone in a management capacity... He had taken a job at Vanguard Records. So he just randomly calls up Larry and says, Hey, Larry, I have this new job. Uh, if you're ever working on something interesting, let me know and let's talk about it. And he said, well, actually, we're working on We're kind of far down the road with this album with Levon and, you know, let's talk. And a meeting followed and, boom, Dirt Farmer came out on Vanguard. Just... I mean, talk about happenstance.
0: I, just r- remarkable. I mean, I, I, I it's yeah. It, there's just so many words. I remember the first interview I ever did again was with Larry and Teresa on this show, and the homework that I did. You know, the first time you do anything like that, you're like, wah. Um, and I know. Um, the stories that I learned, and I mean, those two, they don't. It does in the music business doesn't get better than Larry and Teresa. The humbleness, the kindness the um giving of their time and just they're so grateful for their life and they were so grateful i mean the two of them was the first time they were you know they've been together 30 years at 25 um and it was the first time they got to work together it was being part of the midnight ramble because larry was off on tour teresa was doing her thing and now all of a sudden they get to be part of the midnight ramble together
1: and that's another great story and You were talking about family before, and Levon and Amy, and Larry referenced this in the book. He mentioned this, and I always, it always occurred to me that here you have Levon and his daughter. Here you have Larry and Teresa who are married. There was such a sense of family and friends during the Midnight Ramble. I mean, you had the potluck table in the garage. You know, if you never went to a Midnight Ramble, everyone would, like, if you're going to someone's barbecue, you bring potatoes, you say, what can I bring? So there's a table in the garage. It was the merch area. Levon called it the company store, which I always loved. And so you have this kind of home, down-home feeling. You have a lot of acoustic instruments. You have this sense of family. You have this sense of friendship with the potluck table. And then you keep going, and you get to know the staff and the security guys and the guys parking your car and you know, the ladies running the merch booth and And the the fire pit and the fire pit. I mean, yeah, uh, you're, uh,
0: I tell you, I mean, for, for me, just going, you know, been there still sometimes go, um, You pull onto that property at 160 Plockman Lane in Woodstock and you're entering church as far as I'm concerned. It's sacred ground. You go, you get out of your car and you see the creek and you just walk around and you can feel Levon's Spirit. You can feel it in the rafters when you're there. You can see the drum kit and you can just feel him there. And there, there is no place quite like it, that's for sure. But when he was there, and, and it was always so cool, because th- one of the things at the Midnight Ramble, which you more than well know, you never knew who was going to show up.
1: Barbara always said that. You never know. I mean, as I write in the book, uh, I I was up in the loft one night during the show, and I turned to my left, and there's Chris Robinson with the Black Rose. No mm-hmm. security, no right. entree. Just, just hanging just out. dancing. Yeah. Another night... Um, I walk in, uh, not up the stairs, there were doors on the other side that I came in, and it was like the opening band, and I just come in, and it's really dark, and I'm like taking off my jacket, and I just happen to turn to the right, and who was standing by himself in the corner watching the opening band, but Jackson Brown. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Mumford and Sons, Ricky Skaggs played there after the Dutchess County Fair, um, Joan Osborne, Bob Weir, Phil Lesh.
0: Mavis Staple. Mavis. Yeah. Mavis. I, was,
1: I, I still can't believe it, but there was just an album released yes. of Levon and Mavis. I was very glad to be welcomed. There was a week of rehearsals oh, that man. preceded Were that you ramble. There? I was very glad to be welcomed to be a fly on the wall. I uh, was there for that whole thing uh, during the rehearsals. Uh, so... To see that album come out was just something very special. And but the
0: porch—did you just get to see them? Sing I was there organically. I guess Eric Lawrence or something videoed it, or did you during also? the rainstorm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was right there. Oh man! And
1: I bring that up because I just want to drive home the fact that you know that's the insight I had up at Levan Helm Studios, and that's what I tried to capture in this book. I mean, uh, I hate to keep repeating myself, but. You're going to find stuff in this book that you've never read. You're never going to read it anywhere else. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And Levon, um, how'd you get him to say, yeah, let's do this?
1: You know, um, at some point after hanging around there for a while, I think I casually mentioned to Barbara, like, hey, if Levon ever wants to do another book about this time of his life, I'm in a pretty good position to assist, to... You know, like you know, it's like Levon Helm with John Barry. Yeah. You know all these rock star things. It's the main Robert Plant with Joe Schmo. Right. So, uh, you know, I kind of said it half not serious, and then nothing was ever said again. And I think I brought it up again, and somehow the discussion gained traction. But the whole thing was is that Levon was not a all right, we're going to sit down at three o'clock on Thursday. I'm going to so Levon, what was it like to be in the band? And could you please speak loudly into my, you know, just, that was just not going to happen.
0: Thank God. Levon was
1: a big, let's sleep on it guy. Yeah. Um, So Barbara, in her genius way, which, you know, Barbara was a genius with so much. She said, just hang around, get a digital recorder. If you don't have one, just hang around. Know, when, know how to not cross a line. Mm-hmm. Disappear into the background mm-hmm. because if you don't do that, it's not going to work. Just hang around, have your recorder, let's see what happens. Just use your common sense. And I learned a lot about how to conduct myself when you're in Levon Helm's kitchen and Jane Fonda, which is written in the book, yes. Jane Fonda is in the kitchen.
0: And you met her.
1: Or Bob Weir or Phil Lesh. You know, you there's a right way to act and there's a wrong Absolutely. way to act. Working at the Poughkeepsie Journal, you know this, you find yourself in the craziest of situations. And you see, what I always learned is don't act at all. And 10 times out of 10, some clown doesn't know how to act. And then, you know, it's everyone over. gets that out of it's the over. system.
0: I think I heard, and I don't know where I heard this from, and maybe you have heard it. Levon would say um, the best photographer is of like music photographer is the one that you don't see
1: i've never heard that but that sounds like levon
0: and i don't remember where i heard that but that's yeah that that and that
1: I, was my mission and mantra and just to get back to jane fonda for a second if i could yeah so on july 31st 2010 <laughs> i know I, I can I recite know. this book this i've is- read this book over a hundred times um, so Levon plays Radio City with Willie Nelson on a Wednesday amazing then we all go up to Canandaigua near Rochester and he plays kind of a SPAC kind of place with Willie nothing on Friday and then Thursday is Phil Lesh with his two sons Brian and Graham Larry, Teresa and Justin Gwip. open the ramble and Jane Fonda and Katherine Keener were in Woodstock filming Peace, Love, and Misunderstanding at the time. So Levon and Jane, they're old friends. They were in this TV movie called The Doll So they go way back. So I think it was in between Phil's set and the Levon Helm band set. I was in the kitchen, which was, you know, the quote unquote green room, just being a fly on the wall. I was I had disappeared into the wallpaper, and I'm standing over by the refrigerator levon's talking to jane fonda on the other side of the table so i'm just kind of sitting there taking it all in being dazzled and levon he loved a lot of ice in his solo solo cup cup, the red solo the red solo coke or boylan's grape soda i think it was so um i'm standing over by the refrigerator so he comes over to the refrigerator and this is all in the book He comes over to the refrigerator to get some more ice, and he I will never forget it. He grabs me by the arm, and he says, John, let me introduce you to Jane Fonda. And, you know, my chin hit the floor like, oh, my God, what do I say to Jane Fonda? So he pulls me over as only Levon can, and he says, Jane, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. And then I was just like, oh, holy cow. Now, I didn't put this in the book, but Jane went to Vassar. Actually, I believe Jane Fonda went here. Uh-huh. And Meryl
0: Streep did too.
1: Meryl Streep and I think Anne Hathaway.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So I mentioned. Actually, Jane said we've met, and I was like, "She's like, she remembers I know you, you she and says, you don't remember her." Well, we, we had never met. She okay. says, "I know you," and I said, "I said no, uh, I, you know, I don't, th- I don't think so." And Levon goes, "Oh no, he." Um. Levon says, John writes for the Poughkeepsie Journal, and so Jane Fonda heard that and was like, oh, Vassar, blah, 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 but I was just amazed, and I write this in the book, how, you know, Levon had this wonderful way of diffusing celebrity, and, you know, uh, I really, uh, I don't mean to make myself more important than I am, but it seemed that he just wanted it to be him introducing one friend to another, Mm -hmm. you know? That he wasn't introducing me to this Oscar-winning movie star. Right. You know, this is my friend John Barry. Right. Uh, Jane, I want People you to be People were friend. equal.
0: They were all on the, you know, equal level. And he level. didn't
1: take anything away from Jane. Right. Or he never took anything away from anybody. But he just had a way of diffusing celebrity and pretension. Not that Jane was pretentious, because she wasn't. She was very nice and lovely. And it was really striking.
0: And I think that's probably one of the things that people love most about Levon. He just kept it real. I think Salt it's... Salt of the Earth.
1: I think it all started there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Salt of the Earth. The book, again, is called Levon Helm, Rock Roll Ramble. The website is...
1: RockRollRamble.com.
0: And you can purchase it on Amazon and um, Levon Helm Studios and where else? Bethel Woods. Golden
1: Notebook Bookstore in Woodstock. Bethel Woods. Uh, Inquiring Minds and Sogarties and Happy Life Productions, which is Mike Dubois' shop. Mike, who did the cover. Dino Perucci took the photo of Levon at Mountain Jam in 2010. I would like to say there's going to be a book signing hosted by the Golden Notebook on August 28th, but it's going to be at Nancy's Creamery on the Bearsville Theater property.
0: With Barbara O'Brien.
1: Barbara O'Brien and I will be in conversation, as they say, and then... On the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, which I believe is September 4th, we're going to have a book signing at Mike's Happy Life Productions shop.
0: Beautiful. On and-
1: Tinker Street, the old Tinker Street Cafe, and there will be live music.
0: And people can follow you on Facebook. John Come and find me
1: on Facebook, on Instagram. It's just John Barry, John William Barry.
0: And the book has 16 chapters. you got to read this thing. I mean... I I I it, I read it pretty quickly and um it, it's very in captivating and intriguing. We didn't even get to talk about all of Team Levon, the Grammy Years, Arkansas, um Woodstock Socrates Ulster County, the second coming of the band, the movies muddy. Oh
1: I know. Muddy. I know.
0: Oh God, you had to have been to a show and muddy just comes out. Let and- me
1: just tell one quick muddy story which Please. is in the book. I think it was the night that Emmy Lou Harris played and I forget it was a different kind of sequence of what would happen. And for some reason, Levon came out of uh, where he lived, the house, with a mandolin. So he comes out by himself and there's a stool on the carpet where the band plays. And I guess he was going to do something. It's just too long ago. So he comes out with a mandolin. And do you have it there? I think so, but please. Please. He comes out with a mandolin and Muddy just followed him. He was just following his master out. So Levon didn't know that Muddy was following him. So Levon sits down and puts the mandolin kind of where you would hold it to play it. And then he realizes Muddy had followed him out. Now you have to understand there's 300 people watching this. So Muddy jumps up on Levon and puts his paws in his lap. And I think he might have turned around to look at the crowd and as if on cue 2 300 people all went oh right oh my gosh i mean i'm getting That's chills so sweet it it, it so wasn't enough sweet. that i mean lou harris was playing that night but <sighs> we had that muddy moment
0: i want to read something to um end our little bit of time here probably a lot to read um and and it's this and i'll just say i think these are your words and it says I was sitting in the rocking chair near the fireplace and noticed Levon by himself over by the door that leads out to the studio where, he, where the performance was going on. He had opened the door just a bit and was listening very closely to Jimmy V singing the band song Stage Fright. The look on Levon's face didn't reveal much about all that might have been running through his mind at the moment, but he was listening with the focus of someone studying the details of a painting or ruminating over a mathematical equation. It was one of the most poignant moments I witnessed up at Levon Helm Studios. It only lasted a minute or two, but I'll never forget it as long as I live.
1: Thank you for reading that.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Um... Yeah, I mean, I can't recommend the book enough. Levon Helm, the Midnight Ramble years is what this is. This isn't a life story. It's just this great comeback that Levon was lucky enough to have. Not every artist has the luck that Levon had with this. And he was so loved. He continues to be loved. Um, Levon Helm Studios, we have to say, is still continuing. There is Levon Helm. There's Midnight Rambles happening this weekend. Uh, Friday night at at At, Levon.
1: At Levon Helm Studios, Saturday at Bethel Woods, and yeah, you know, music is ongoing at Levon Helm Studios. Go to levonhelm.com. Right, you know, it's it, it continues on, and they get a wide range of musicians and acts, and you know, the shows sell out very often. So, if you're thinking about it, you better jump on it. I cannot tell you how many people I would tell to go see a Midnight Ramble while they were fully underway. And, you know, after Levon passed, so many people, oh, I never made it up there. I just couldn't schedule it. Never
0: wait till tomorrow. Life is too short. The older I get, the more I learn that. If you want to go book your tickets and find a show and go do it, because guess what? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So, you know... I cannot wait, and he's not telling me either, folks. I cannot wait, but I know some people know. Um, what's going on next with Mr. Barry? And it's funny because I've called you Mr. Barry for as long as yes, I've known Yes, I've noticed. Yes. So... Um, uh, we look forward to the next book the next adventure with uh, what you have um, you are definitely a huge supporter of music in the area I mean I got to know you just from seeing you at every damn show I went to I think to. we
1: met at Levon Helm we Studios we might have met at
0: Levon Helm Studios I really think we might have because um, I think I was at KZE and I was going up there a lot and, and I think just oh, are you John Barry with the Poughkeepsie Journal so I think that whole thing started and I think that's where you and I met and boy i I will tell, tell you, it's a beautiful thing when music, you know, gets people together. And in my life, that's 90% of my situation. And just,
1: just let me say, Ria, that, you know, your passion for music and, you know, you're out at shows and, uh, you know, your passion for music is so inspiring and you have these couple of hours here and you showcase uh, such wonderful and uh, wonderful musicians with such generous spirits and i know that you know you have a loyal following and i you know you just go to social media so we're all grateful to you oh, thank and you. I, thank I know you. you so well and i know your audience so well yes. and the musicians you have here so well and i just wanted to say what a pivotal piece of our community it all is so thank you for having this forum thank you for having me on today to talk about this book i'm so proud of but you know, uh, a round of applause for Rita Ryan. Oh, my
0: gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, Mr. <laughs> Barry, I tell you what, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. I think we could easily sit here for two or we three that every hours. Time, every time. Every we could. time our show comes to an end, our hour comes to an end together, and it's always like what? What? How did that go? So here's the deal, folks. If you're just getting in the car, or you're just tuning in or you're just online and you're just seeing the post and you you missed part of this interview, guess what? We've recorded this. So you can go tonight. I'll be uploading it to the local motion on 91.3 WVKR YouTube page, as well as turning it into a podcast. I'm hoping Mr. Barry shares it as well. Absolutely. Go to John Barry's page. I'll tag him and this will be here for as long as anybody wants to see this show so and hear it and it's here um, thank you for your time I'm going to play another track um, and this one reminds me just a quick very quick personal story about Amy Helm um, the track that we played so Amy's been kind of following my daughter since she was you know nine and Caroline's a musician and we saw Amy during the pandemic at the fountain. I remember and she's like Caroline how you doing why don't you come with me next week and Um, play a song with me. And Caroline's like, what? And this is the song that she played with her. So it's on YouTube as well. So really cool. So talk to me about this one. Um, You sent this track over as well.
1: Atlantic City. Yes. So I was born in 1969. So I really wasn't around for the heyday of the band. Um, So I really came into the band after I came to SUNY New Paltz and I lived in the Hudson Valley. I mean, that's when I came into the, current, to the second band. I was at Woodstock 94. I saw their incredible set with the horn section. But the album Jericho is near and dear to my heart because that was kind of my time. I remember going to see the second incarnation of the band at Northeastern University with my buddy who attended college there. And, it was, and
0: you probably know the date.
1: Uh, <laughs> I know it was 1993. Okay. I can tell you in the fall. That I know. And it was a Thursday night. That's about all I can tell you. Do
0: you have a journal of all the dates of all the shows that you've been to? Yeah, it's
1: right up here in my that's head. That's in
0: your head. I think you should get it on paper someday, but that's <laughs> pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But this song,
1: I don't know. I just always loved this song. I didn't even know it was a Bruce Springsteen song. And it was always, there was a portion of the ramble where Levon would get on a stool, in a center stage, and play the mandolin. And Amy might play drums, or Justin Gwitt might play drums. And they would do this song, they do Got Me a Woman, maybe Deep Ellen Blues, but Atlantic City, you know, it just, it holds my mystique. I'm not a big gambler, but I love the whole right. mystique and the lore of Atlantic City. And let's not forget that, you know, Levon and uh, in the early days, you know, they all played Summer's Point, New Jersey at uh, Tony Mart's. You know that's that's a big piece of their story which I believe is not very far from Atlantic City.
0: pretty. Well that's what we're going to listen to. Thank you so much Thank for you. your 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 efforts because this was a big undertaking 14 years it was years and it was financial too that's right and for that you had to pay for and and just time and that's time you never get back but what a beautiful time spent and um Levon was lucky to have you and you would have easily made him proud as i am sure you are making I- his family proud all those that were there during this time are happy to have all those memories put in print Thanks I, to you.
1: I'd like to think that Levon would have been happy
0: with he the would have finished been happy. product. Good job, John Barry. <laughs> Thank you for your time here today. Let's go out with a, a track by the band. Thank you, John.
1: Thank you, Rita.
0: 91.3 WVKR.
2: Night and it blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state, and the DA can't get no relief. Gonna be a rumble on a promenade. And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Everything dies, baby, that's a fact. But maybe everything that dies someday he comes back. Put your makeup on, fish your hair up.
0: one three WVKR Independent Radio Poughkeepsie,
2: New York.